Welcome. I'm John Hart, the co-founder of C3 Solutions, the conservative coalition for climate solutions, and I'm the editor of our news magazine, C3. And welcome to another edition of Right Voices, our video and podcast series where we highlight conservative leaders, uh, both in Congress and outside of Congress. Today, we're honored to be joined by Representative Byron Donalds. He's a first-term congressman representing Florida's 19th congressional district and serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform, the Budget Committee, uh, the Select Committee on Economic Disparity and Fairness and Growth as well. And he's a strong supporter of nuclear power and has introduced legislation that would increase the use of microreactors when responding to natural disasters. And the congressman lives in Naples, Florida with his wife, Erica, and their three sons, Damon, Darren, and Mason. Congressman, welcome. It's good to be with you. Well, thanks for joining us. So there's a lot going on in Congress, so I appreciate you taking the time to, to visit with us. Um, just to jump right into things, you know, the, the midterm election results, you know, candidly, I know they were disappointing to a lot of Republicans and conservatives. And, and you know, people, the red wave that people thought might come didn't come. And and I, I want to get your take on where does the party go from here? And, and does the process of winning the next generation, can it include a focus on on issues that Republicans uh, sometimes haven't always been great in terms of leading, you know, issues of climate, energy and environment? Well, I mean, look, yeah, it did not turn out the way Republicans wanted to. Uh, but you know what? This is an opportunity to really learn um, and understand some of the things that didn't that didn't work well. Um, I would say that the number one thing is, is that we really got focused on the issues that do matter to America. And um, but we lost sight of the emotional issues that the Democrats talked about. If you looked at a lot of the campaigns, whether you want whether it's Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, and you watch the ads that Democrats were running, they weren't about really the environment or even about the economy or crime or the border. They ran ads on abortion, period. Like that's what they ran on. Right. And unfortunately, they they get they were gaslighting the American people. And there are some Americans who view that that was an issue that was more important than all the other things that uh, Washington actually does have an ability to manage and to focus on and, and has the responsibility of doing such. And so that, I think, was the, the big takeaway for me. Uh, secondarily, it's 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 basic stuff. A lot of times our candidates uh, were left uh, without any air cover and they were getting hit by the Democrat campaigns in August and September and really being defined. Uh, by uh, their opponents before they had an opportunity to get their resources together for a general election fight. So those are my two big takeaways. I think that if you could redo some of that work, the outcomes would have been very, very different. But the basic thing in politics is always once somebody is defined, yeah. you have an advantage over them. Now, do I think that energy policy in the future can help us? I do, actually. Because you have a lot of young people who have been conditioned, and I, I'm choosing my words properly, they've been conditioned to believe that the only possible way to save the planet is with the Green New Deal, with solar panels and with wind turbines. But what they're never told is uh, solar panels, solar arrays and wind farms are actually uh, more harmful to the environment than modular reactors and micro reactors. And if you actually really want to save the planet, what you need is an emissionless energy source that at the same time is plentiful, is ch relatively cheap, and is easily accessible. And that is really how I got to nuclear policy. And so the toughest part is going to have to be to unwind the dogma around nuclear. But I think we can definitely do that because what you do is you address 
the need for wanting to save the planet. And it's a need I completely understand. I understand why people want to do that. I want to do that. Um, I don't want to destroy the planet. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be alive a lot longer. So are my kids. So <laughs> I want to make sure the planet is healthy for me, for my children and for everybody as well. But at the same, at the same time, you have to address the economic issues of having base load power. And base load power is the way you grow economies. It's the way people feed themselves, clothe themselves, et cetera. Right. And you've introduced legislation on that. Do you want to tell us more about what your what your bill would do in terms of oh, power? Yeah. So we actually have a couple like one that you 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 briefed that one deals specifically with FEMA and DOD actually being able to deploy micro reactors uh, either to events where there's been natural disasters or with the DOD case if they have a forward operating uh, 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 base, black or better term that they need to you know, you need power for. So instead of taking a ton of diesel fuel there or diesel fuel to a disaster zone, you actually can bring in a, a micro reactor and you just lay it there. You plug, you create whatever your grid is going to be off the micro reactor and you have plentiful energy to run operations. I think that's a very simple and easy thing to do. We have another bill that's a survey bill that's actually going to, that's really targeted at um, from the industry standpoint of what are the reforms needed at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. That's critical. What most people don't understand is that there hasn't been a new reactor. Sorry, those are the, the bells for the, the house you hear in there. So it's oh, annoying. Okay. Yeah. But, but what you, well, there's not been a new reactor that's been built in the United States since the formation of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Right. So they've, they've been, they've been open for, I think it's like 45 years now. We've not been, built one new commercial reactor in the United States for power generation. There are a bunch of test plants that have been built, but nothing that is used for public consumption when it comes to energy. So I have a bill on that. Uh, we, we had to have another bill deal that's dealing with uh, fuel needs for the nuclear reactors, the 97 legacy reactors we have in the United States, and also making sure that we have the necessary fuel for um, uh, for your advanced modular reactors and your micro reactors in the future. Right. Right. And and what do you what do you make of the of the House task force uh, work that they've done? They they've articulated this idea of an all of the above energy policy that includes includes fossil fuels, natural gas, uh, wind and solar again with, without over relying on those but also nuclear. Uh do you think do you think the do your voters and do you think the electorate understands the power of the all of the above energy strategy as opposed to the everything but fossil fuels or everything but nuclear strategy that the left is articulating? No, actually I well first of all to the to the house task force, I think it's the appropriate step. We should be all of the above. Everything should be at the table. We shouldn't pick and choose because of our own political predilections or whatever the case might be. Because the truth of the matter is there is not one member of Congress or even all 435 that have have enough collective know-how to judge what the energy demands are going to be for America, not just today, but over the next 25 years. And when you're talking about your energy matrix, it's not a public policy program you know, like like food stamps or anything like that, where you could turn it on, turn it off. You can adjust the allotments on Section 8 housing. You can adjust the Medicare reimbursements. This is that is not energy. When you make the the heavy infrastructure investments around what your energy grid is is going to look like, that is a 25 to 50 year investment. So we should not be making uh, judgments based on politics about what the next 20 to 25 to 50 years of American energy is going to look like. That's why the all of the above uh, uh, approach is necessary. 
Now, I don't think that the electorate really understands that the, the ramifications is probably the best word to use. If we pick and choose what energy uh, matrix to, to rely on, like if we become an all solar, uh, all solar, all wind country, uh, we are going to be a country where people freeze to death. And I don't, want, I don't like using hyperbole, but that's just the truth of the matter. Right. Because solar and wind do not work all the time. And we do have sections of the country that have extended cold periods or even flash freezes or whatever the case might be. That goes to loss of life, a uh, loss of ability to, 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 to maintain food. And that creates so many other societal, societal problems as a result. Yeah. And on the, on the solar and wind issue, I think, I think that the, the, one of the case studies I think I imagine you've looked at is Germany and Western Europe. So one of the one of the reasons Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine is Europe embraced the Green New Deal European style. In other words, they they rushed a transition to solar and wind, but they were dishonest with their own electorate about fossil fuels. So what they essentially did is outsource their carbon emissions to Russia. Right. And they and they quite literally funded Putin's war machine and then Putin looked at their behavior and just laughed and, and create, created an incentive for him to to go further. Do you, do you think that's a fair characterization of what Europe did? Oh, that's completely accurate. That's exactly what they did. And again, this is one of those things where they are making long term decisions based on politics and not understanding energy. One one respect geopolitics. This is the second thing. But then also your, your point's accurate, not telling your people the full ramifications of these decisions and having them make determinations about what's in their best interest. Look, one of my issues with, uh, and I'm going to use solar panels as an example. I'm not opposed to solar panels per se, but what I also understand is that the minerals necessary for solar panels are mined by China. So if you say in the United States that we're going to move to a heavy solar dependent energy grid, what you're also saying is you're going to move a lot of money and a lot of authority into the hands of the of the Chinese Communist Party. They are not our friends. They are not our allies here in the United States. So if we're going to do solar, then we should be mining the minerals here in the United States or actually controlling the, the, the mining aspects of these things. So if we're going to spend money to import it into the United States, the panels and the minerals, we should be there at the beginning stages, not relying on another country, especially one that is not our friend, to, to, to provide us the, the basic support we need for our energy grid to be sustained. And then the other part is, what if China decides, you know what, on second thought, we don't want to give you all, all those all those panels like we said we would. Well, now we're screwed. Where are we going to go? You know, so these decisions have to be made soberly uh, with logic, not with politics. Right. Great point. And, and I know you've got to run to another interview, but one final question is the the Biden administration has made a show of traveling overseas, traveling to Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, to try to pers persuade those countries to pump more oil, right. while at the same time telling Americans to pump less. So what what are the different policies you think the Biden administration should should reject and accept as they work with a new Republican Congress? Well, the biggest thing that we need to make sure happens is that the administration defends the leases in court that they actually give out. They have been running this talking point for two years, talking about, oh, we approved 9,000 leases. Well, OK. But then with the on the other side, the environmentalists go into court and sue. And the administration is not defending the leases in court. So then what happens is if you're an energy, if you're an oil or gas explo uh, explorer, you're like, why am I going to deal with this? I'll hold the lease, but I'm not going to go through to get the permits to drill because, you know, you're going to get hauled in the court and the administration is not going to defend you. 
So it's, you know, you're being set up for failure. So I think that is the number one thing that this administration needs to do. Number two thing is we actually need reforms uh, to FERC. We need to expand pipeline capacity here in the United States. And for people to understand that, uh, pipelines are essentially, you know, the blood vessels of our energy system. So, you know, the heart obviously is are the, are the oil deposits, the natural gas deposits, et cetera. But what we have not done in the United States is built enough arteries for that, that energy to get to where it needs to go, which would lower prices. Because if you have less arteries, prices go up because it's harder to get the, the, the product to market for people to use. So we should be expanding pipeline access in the United States. A lot of environmentalists have blocked pipelines, but pipelines are the most environmentally safe and the most efficient for moving energy, not moving by trucks, not moving it by rail. And so those are the things that this administration should be doing, working with Republicans to actually stabilize our energy markets, to allow prices to come down. So if you have a, if you have low energy costs, our economy can thrive and a thriving economy is the best thing for all Americans. Right. Well, Congressman, thank you so much. I mean, I, I know you've got to wrap. Uh, we'd love to have you back on soon. And we'll be following your work closely in the work of the House in the next Congress. And this has all been right. John Hart with Right Voices with Congressman Byron Donalds. Thanks so much, Congressman. All right. No problem. See you. Thank you.